What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the <coughs> Junkyard Podcast. I am your host, Junkyard Jimmy, James Beatley, whatever the hell you want to call me. Like I said in the last episode, we're starting something new here with a weekly recap of my thoughts and opinions on AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. This one's coming out a little bit later. I um, then I want to kind of want to get it out around noon every Thursday, but uh, I watched it this morning and I'm just now able to uh, record it, record the episode. So this one's going to come out a little bit later than what the plan is in uh, starting, you know, next week and f- on forward. But here's the premise of what I'm going to do here. I'm just going to go match by match or segment by segment. Um, of the main segments, the big segments that I want to bring out, bring about, and um, just kind of share my opinions on them. And here we go. Let's start it off. We start off the show with probably what I would say the best match of the night. That's Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. And let me tell you something. This probably should have been the main event in my opinion. It was a banger of a match. Just a fantastic match. Um, Orange Cassidy is, in my opinion, one of the top wrestlers in the entire world at this point. This this reign that he's on with the All Atlantic Championship, it for it not being the top title in the company, it's kind of one of the lower titles. It feels like it's a super important match every time Orange Cassidy comes out there, and and. I think a lot of people, when they think of Orange Cassidy, they see this like gimmick, this like comedy gimmick. But he's a really good wrestler, and and I don't know. I, I this might be taking a shot, but it seems like the the people that hate on Orange Cassidy are the same people that love Roman Reigns and think he's the god of pro wrestling. When let's just be honest, he really isn't. I'm not saying Orange Cassidy is, um, but. Again, there's just the differentiation, I guess, of styles. And I love Orange Cassidy. I think he has to be considered one of the best in the world right now. Maybe not all time, but right now in this run that he's having. He's just, every single week, just putting on a banger after a banger after a banger. He's almost like he's part of Sheamus's and Drew McIntyre's tag team. Um, Just banger after banger after banger, you know what I'm saying? Um, Other things that I noticed in this match was Wheeler Yuta has the potential to be the top heel in AEW. Um, you know, when Claudio Castagnoli comes out and kind of like sparks the flame for Wheeler and he just turns up the heat and just, he can be a top heel in the company. I have no doubt about that. And then one of the last things that I want to say, and this is just my opinion, and maybe another shot. Everybody knows at this point I don't like Roman Reigns, but the Orange Punch is a better form of the Superman Punch that Roman Reigns does. Orange Cassidy does it so much better than Roman Reigns, um, and Orange Cassidy makes the All Atlantic Championship much watch TV every single time he defends that title, and. You don't really have to have a lot of story behind it. It's just kind of like the open challenges that John Cena used to run with the United States Championship made that entitle that title those matches seem important. Orange Cassidy's kind of doing the same thing with the All Atlantic Championship. 
Next, um, we go to Ricky Starks and his promo with Chris Jericho. Essentially, Ricky Starks is saying, Jericho's too much of a baby to um, fight me at Revolution, so I'm going to offer an open challenge to whoever wants to sign this contract for a match with me. Jericho comes out, kind of spits some shade at Ricky Starks, and then as he's walking away, Peter Avalon comes out, and I didn't recognize that that was Peter Avalon um, until the announcers said something about it because he looks completely different, like, presentation-wise. The way his, like, I think he has facial hair now and short hair looks completely different than the Ricky Starks of, like, a year ago. Um, And then Jericho eventually comes in and says he will fight Ricky Starks um, in a match where the... um, Jericho Appreciation Society is banned from ringside. and uh, But he says, I don't have a pen. Ricky Starks pulls a pen out of his um, coat. And Jericho is the only man in the world that could get a pop out of him. Like, just holding the audience's attention until he clicks the pen to write and sign his name on the contract. Decent promo. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully this being the end of Starks and the Jericho Appreciation Society here at Revolution and then moving forward from there. Next match we had was Big Bill and uh, Lee Moriarty versus The Acclaimed. And um, The Acclaimed from the beginning, from their promo, from their freestyle rap, just shut up (laughs) the... The firm um, got the crowd popping. There was um, a joke about or a burn about um, Moriarty being Tiger style, but his mama likes doggy style and about Stokely Hathaway, his hand being in a cast because he likes to uh, pleasure himself too much. And then the final dig was at Big Bill, a.k.a. uh, what what used to be known as... Uh, big cast in WWE and how his wife is, says that he's S-A-W-F-T, which was their thing in WWE, soft. Um, good good uh, freestyle, probably one of the best that the Acclaim have had in a couple months or so. Um, and just the fact that the Acclaimed are, is still so over with the fans, even after this long reign, um, that they just had, and, and they really want them to get the titles back. I, I really feel that momentum uh, the Acclaimed get a win here. The Guns come out and kind of do their thing. They beat the shit out of their dad and just push in that feud. Um, uh, the Acclaimed get a win, and I think it's a, it was a good showing for the Acclaimed and and pushes them cl- ever so closer to re- regaining their titles. We then get a Christian Cage promo spot where Jungle Boy comes out and attacks them, and then Jungle Boy always having this, like, moment of internal morality where like should I should I slam this uh slam his face into the chair um he hesitates Christian Cage puts a low blow and beats the ever-living shit out of Jungle Boy my question is do we get the final part of this story at Revolution or is this going to continue on um and it's kind of the the same thing that I have the problem with um Edge and the judgment day where they kind of had to stop the story because of an injury. I really don't want them to continue it much longer. I don't think edge really has to do much more with the judgment day. I think they're going to end that at WrestleMania. Um, Hopefully they'll end that at WrestleMania and then it'll be 
or hopefully maybe it's already done now that elimination chamber is over i don't know what the 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 thing is going to be there same thing here i hope maybe at revolution they can just end the storyline for good we haven't seen luchasaurus in a while so i mean that that's kind of a big big part of the thing of like maybe they won't because they're going to bring luchasaurus back into the story somehow i feel that finally we get a match here with Soraya versus Sky Blue. The thing I found interesting was Sky Blue did not get an entrance. Uh, she was in the ring as Soraya was coming down. Um, typically, if you know anything about wrestling, that means you're going to lose. So I mean, but Sky Blue put up a really good performance. Uh, at one point, putting uh, Soraya in the Black Widow, or what AJ Lee used to call the Black Widow, and I popped for that. I was a big fan of AJ Lee. Um, and I wish that at some point she would make her return to the wrestling ring sometime like her husband Pepsi Phil did. Um, and it was a good match. It was a really solid match. And I just feel like if we could just get two of them or three of them a week that are that quality and then maybe even a little bit better than what we saw there, we would have a, you know, the, re the women's division could be shown the respect it's given. Um, and... We see, like, Britt and Jamie Hayter come out. We see, like, Ruby Soho coming out. And the first thing that th I came up with, the first thing that came up in my mind was, it seems like this is leading to some sort of like, stadium stampede or blood and guts or some sort of, like, gimmick match where it's, like, new school or um, people that were, like, from the beginning of AEW and then the people that are just brought in recently, like the the home the hometown people, the the homegrown talent versus those that are coming in. That seems like what they're building up here. And it just it feels like it's going to lead to like a stadium stampede match. Um, or some sort of like gimmick cinem cinematic storyline match there. Um, which I would I would be down for. Um I just I want more of the women. This was the only women's match on this on the on the card. This is my biggest complaint about AEW is that the women don't get a lot of attention on Dark. Or I'm sorry on uh, Rampage and on Dynamite on Dark and Dark Elevation. They get all the attention in the world, and it's like push some of that towards you know the uh, actual live television product. Um, we then get Danielson out. Brian Danielson coming out to. Uh, shoot a promo and he starts saying that like Max hates Daniel um Danielson and 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 why he does and this and that and then MJF interrupts him and and says uh, basically that uh Danielson is taking or has everything that Max wants a wife and a kids and family and and that he's had concussion after concussion and he's um basically taken for granted his opportunity to be wrestling still and that um he he brings in some personal things um the first one is a note that i didn't know about and i don't think any of the wrestling world knew about was that mjf and his well now former fiance are no longer together um that is a shocker Honestly, and then Maxwell kind of kind of leaves you heart wrenching. And see, that's the cool thing about MJF is he can play the cocky, um, dickhead, arrogant heel, but he can also play the heel that 
that's like kind of like the Joker character where he gets you feeling sympathetic about why he's such a dick, right? And and everything that's so bad about his life and why you should feel sympathetic and the reason that the, the everybody has left him and everybody has left him alone and those that said they will stay have left and the only thing he has that gives him any meaning and significance and, and, and purpose is the title. That's such a good storyline. And MJF plays that character, that heel, kind of the narcissistic heel. That's a, a, a classic narcissist tactic there. Like making making someone feel sympathetic or, or have to have some form of empathy for you um, so that you can take advantage of their kindness or take advantage of their, you know, ability to empathize with you. And so he can play the cocky, arrogant heel, but he can also play the, the sly, sad boy, narcissist heel character just so well. And he can go back and forth. And it's just so beautiful the way MJF can do that. Probably the best heel in the game of all companies right now is MJF, I think, at least on the mic. We'll see in the ring if he can last 60 minutes with Danielson. I think he can. Um, there's a reason they don't want him fighting. And I think it's because they want him to be tip-top shape. Danielson can go out and have a match. But he hasn't really fought that many matches since the since this like lead-up to the story. And so I think they're both going to be at the top of the game. I can't wait for March 5th. Simply because of the promo MJF and Danielson had, and the feud that, and the brawl that they had at the end of the segment, like I was having this conversation, I think this morning or maybe last night with, with um, my brother. He he's the big like wrestling and and the and the soap opera. He's all about it from the entertainment factor and that the titles and the match itself is just a prop for the bigger story and I'm more of the the story can be told in the ring type of fan of wrestling um, and that's why I love the independent shows like your local shows they go in and they have one or two promos to prop up the match to advertise the match but the storyline is told in the ring he likes the the story to lead up to a a I guess the match to kind of be a catalyst to continue on like a soap opera. I'm not a fan of that. If I wanted to watch a movie, if I wanted to watch a soap opera, if I wanted to watch the days of our lives, I would just turn on the days of our lives. You know, I don't and get like legitimate actors doing good acting. Like, let's just be honest. If this was acting, this is some of the worst acting you will see is in the WWE or in AEW. It's not realistic at all, and sometimes it's downright funny and cringy how piss poor the like the acting some of these wrestlers have when they when they're put in the moment. Like I I just think of like Brie Bella, she was the worst at promos because she was just so cringy. Um, but but anyway, yeah. So MJF is able to like if this was the only promo leading up to March fifth. This promo alone would sell me this match. I don't need to know the whole backstory on how Brian Dan uh, Brian Danielson has had to fight like th six or seven of the the toughest, most baddest guys in the world and on the AEW roster and in the indie scenes and and to get this match and that Max, you know, hasn't done anything but just tried to 
dude, destroy Brian Danielson. It's a great story, but that promo alone would have been enough to sell me this match. I can't wait for this match. I can't wait for March 5th. It's going to be a great night um, in San Francisco at AEW Revolution and well worth the money just for this 60-minute Iron Man, Iron Man match with Maxwell Jacob Friedman and Brian Danielson. Next, we move into, I think there's a couple like backstage promos to set up the 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 match for the Revolution Battle Royale, um, it was. I'm not surprised, honestly, uh, that Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal won, um, and that they kind of like continued the feud with the um, with Jared Lethal and Sanjay and Satnam Singh, and with the best friends. Um, I wish Top Flight would have won this match. I think they are really deserving of an opportunity for the titles. They've been one of the best tag teams on the roster, maybe outside of the acclaimed um, in a while. Um, we then go to a commercial break after this match. Uh, well, let, let me let me back up a little bit. The ending of the match, I kind of hated. I, I I don't like when like you overemphasize that like you like even if you go over the top rope that people can catch you or you can catch yourself or any of that. Even the Orange Cassidy spot with Trent was kind of cringy. The Satnam Singh spots were really cringy. I just, I know, I, I wasn't a big fan of the ending of the match, but I wasn't surprised with the outcome um, of the match being that Lethal and Jeff Jarrett get a title match at Revolution, uh, fighting the champions to guns, the acclaimed, now Jarrett and Lethal, and then the winner of next week's Battle Royal on Dynamite, which is a Casino Battle Royal, which I think is going to be a better version of what we got this week. So we go to commercial break at the end of this match. We come back, and Tony Khan is on the screen and um, introduces a, a big announcement and then leads it off with Adam Cole to give the announcement. And the announcement... Um, well, it was kind of actually two announcements. One, Adam Cole is going to be returning to uh, action, actually wrestling again, um, sometime in March, the same night that this new show, AEWR Access, comes to the Turner Networks. Um, it, it, it follows AEW Dynamite, so you go... Two hours of Dynamite and then an hour of AEW All Access. Essentially, the point of AEW All Access is you're just gonna. It's basically like Hard Knocks, like what the NFL has, where they follow the, uh, a football team for the entire season. You're gonna do that, but it, they're gonna focus on some of the top stars in AEW from behind the scenes to their daily lives. It's just kind of a behind the scenes thing of some of the top stars in AEW. I think it's a. It's actually a really good. Um, a really good idea for a show, and I think it it comes out of the fact that when when Cody and Brandy were part of AEW, they had um, their their show was I think in the works or maybe they had a uh, season worth of co- uh, that show filmed, and I think it, it had pretty good reviews, and so they're going to try and do it on kind of a, a company wide spectrum, and, and it's going to be fun. They're going to follow people like Britt Baker, Adam Cole. Um, and some others were released. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I was reading on it uh, last night. I, obviously, I didn't watch it live, so I kind of knew it was coming. Um, it was a good. I think it's a good thing. And we're going to see Adam Cole coming back into the ring in March. We're going to get this new show. And and this is this is a message to everybody who maybe not 
maybe not intentionally or maybe not explicitly states that they thought that AEW was going to get kicked off of Turner and and like Discovery was like cutting all these shows and all of that, that AEW would be one losing their TV spots. They're giving AEW as much time as they want. They're thrilled with the ratings. They're thrilled with what they're what the product is doing. AEW is going to be on Turner for as long as AEW wants to be on Turner. That's my opinion. Uh, if you you want to disagree with me, feel free to come on and we can have a a, a, a chat about it uh, on this podcast, a, a future episode at some point. That's my opinion is that AEW is going to be on the Turner Networks as long as uh, AEW wants to be on Turner Networks. Turner is giving them the green light for a lot of everything. It's like NBA coverage... NHL coverage and AEW. They're focused on sports because they they don't have a lot of TV programming anymore. Law and Order I think is now on like NBC or something. Um, and so like a lot of their big shows are like reruns or movies or stuff like that. So the, a lot of their live programming, basketball, f- hockey, and now pro wrestling are their big money makers, and they're gonna throw the book. Um, and give AEW what they want when AEW wants it, if AEW wants it. Let me get to the main event. John Moxley versus Evil Uno. And the the biggest thing... So obviously this was kind of... We kind of expected Hangman to show up at some point. And this is going to lead to the Texas Death Match. He shows up at the end of the match, after the match was ended. What this showed me was Evil Uno can hang in the ring with some of the top guys. And I know he's a tag team specialist, but this did more to um, put Evil Uno over in my mind than it did anything for John Moxley because John Moxley's already an established guy in AEW. What he did with Evil Uno put a I think he it put Evil Uno on the map of someone that they could they could trust in one of those spots if needed. If if the tag team division was so packed that Evil Uno had to do a singles run. Yeah, I think Evil Uno could do a singles run. This was, it was a really good performance from him. That senton he did off the turnbuckle, somebody of his size shouldn't be able to do. Outside of the ring, landing on John Moxley. It got the crowd to pop, and it was just a good spot there. Um, he was bleeding, like most of the match. Uh, Moxley ripped the ripped the ripped uh, his mask open, and then like, banged his face up on, I think, the, the steps or the turnbuckle or something, caused him to bleed and, like, gush out. It was like a gusher, like a really bad cut. And um, end, of, end of the match was Moxley basically knocked out um, knocked out uh, Uno there. And so, end of that match, Hangman comes out and interferes. It was a really good uh, spot, really good match to end the show. Buckshot Leary, Moxley got that like bloody face because he hit him with the. Um, Moxley got hit with the barbed wire uh, that Hangman had. Good way to end the show. Next week is the setup to the to I think it's the go home show for um, Revolution. It's gonna be a a good time, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Um, this has been an episode of the Junkyard Wrestling Podcast. What do y'all think about the episode? What do you think? Should I add anything additional or extra to this to make it better? Um, Give me your uh, comments and critiques below. Subscribe, everything, all of that. We'll talk to you next time.